Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. In this season of Walk with God, Walt and I are teaching through the book of James. Wow, what a practical handbook for the Christian life. Um, even a little challenging, Walt, we've found as we're just working through these first eight verses, um, we have to really take it to heart because of where we find ourselves right now. And perhaps you're in the midst of a trial too. You know, James is the leader of the church of Jer- Jerusalem. He is there in the midst of this new group, people who have left the Jewish religion, who have left um, any kind of Gentile belief, but he's writing now to encourage especially Jewish Christians. And what does he want them to do? He wants them to live out their faith through action and through attitude. So James is going to roll up his sleeves and he's going to begin his letter with a difficult topic, trials, trials of many kinds. We all face trials. There's no escaping this reality. So let's begin in verses two through four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Well, we want to start breaking these verses down into some phrases and into some particular words. And we have to start with consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider this word. First, James wants us to have a proper attitude toward trials. And, you know, Brenda, even as you say that, it's important for us to remember, to note from James 1, 1, that he's writing to the 12 tribes who are dispersed. They're scattered abroad. And we talked about that last week. So he's writing to, to brothers and sisters, and he repeats this phrase over 15 times in this book. He wants us to understand that these are believers, and he's going to talk with them about the way believers should live their life. He's not going to talk how they became a believer. We know that that's always by God's grace and his mercy, and his forgiveness, but through our personal faith. That's how we come to faith. But now he's going to talk about how we live. And and these believers, both in Jerusalem and the early church, and now out into the, the surrounding communities all over the earth, they're facing persecution and trials, largely at the hands of the Jewish religious authorities. And soon they're going to be facing them at the Gentile religious authorities. This isn't hypothetical. James isn't writing, hey, if you ever have, no, this is, they're experiencing this on a daily basis. They're experiencing 
hardship and troubles and harassment. And I love that word, that word consider. In the Greek, it, it's something, it's an attitude. We, we've got to think deeply about this. It doesn't come naturally. It, it's an attitude of our mind. And we have to, in our mind, say, when this happens, we're going to have joy. It's a mindset in the midst of trials and testing. And, and this isn't going to come automatically. It, it doesn't feel good to go through hard times. <laughs> a person will need to deeply think about, to study, and to examine our heartfelt response in the midst of the troubles we face. James begins by calling his readers, and he wants them to experience joy. And, but this is going to take much thought and contemplation. I love in Philippians 4, 7, it says this. The Apostle Paul writing to the people at Philippi, he says, you know, you're going through hard times also, but the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that will guard your hearts and your minds in, in Christ Jesus. And you know, the, the word that James uses here for trials, this Greek word means the, the trial of a man's fidelity, his integrity, his virtue, but it also is an enticement to sin, a temptation. Both trials and temptations, that idea is found here in the book of James, and it's going to be talked about further in the book of James, and we're going to discuss this. But it's important to just right at the very beginning say this idea of testing and, and temptation, it's present in our life. It's, it's, there's no avoiding them. But recognize the source and the desired outcome. Testing comes from the hand of God, and he wants us to pass the test with flying colors. He wants us to be complete. He wants us to be more holy. Whereas temptation comes from the wicked one, Satan. He wants us to fail and to fall. He wants us to be destroyed. And I love, you know, even as you're saying that, Walt, that testing comes at the hand of God. He, he wants us to get straight A's, right? I mean, he really wants us to pass that test. And how many times, as you just said that, it came into my mind, how many times when I'm facing a test, I'm going through something that is a struggle, that's a trouble that, you know, brings tears to my eyes. It's a hard, hard time in life. But how how many times do... I kind of have this bad feeling toward God. You know, why is he allowing this to happen? And Brenda, you and I both have done a lot of education and we've taken a lot of tests. Well, yeah. (laughs) And we don't need to bring that up. And they're not always pleasant. They haven't always been fun or easy or pleasant. But there's a good purpose behind the test. There should be if you have a, a good teacher. That's right. And we do have a good teacher, we right? Do. We've got we've got a heavenly Father who loves us. Well, when we face these different types of trials, um, just as you're saying there, Walt, it's an opportunity, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's what a test is. When we're sitting in classes and we've got to prepare for a quiz or a test, or we've got to write a paper, this is an opportunity. And in this case. These trials are to strengthen our faith muscles, to grow in our trust of the Lord, that that our faith might become stronger and more firm. And I can't help but think, you know, I have to admit this, Walt, I I have kettlebells sitting around the house, right? I've got them in, and I've got like my yoga mat, you know, like it's in a strategic location. And those things all would help my muscles get stronger, right? They would help, help my body be more fit. 
but I have to use them, right? Oh. Like I, I have to practice. You can't just look at them and that I, doesn't work? Well, you know, I try to pass by them and kind of think over them, but... But these are opportunities, and we don't want to make light of what our trials are, but but realizing it does take work, and knowing that even in the midst, in the midst of those trials, there will be many kinds of trouble. He will care for me. He will care for you. He will provide for us. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He will guide us each step of the way. And there is an outcome. What does he tell us in these verses? That it will produce a perseverance, which can be steadfastness. It can be a greater faith. It is a greater patience in our life that we would be established to be firm in purpose, which points to faithfulness, that we would be found faithful at all who come behind us, find us faithful, as that song says. And that perseverance then finishes its work, which ultimately, this is the big goal, that we would be mature, that we would be complete and lacking nothing. The Greek word used here for trials means to try or to prove. So we think of that in silver and in gold, that it is proved so that it is pure. And God uses trials in this similar way to test and strengthen us, to strengthen us in our faith walk. He's using trials to promote our spiritual growth, friends. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to be grown up, lacking in nothing. He wants to encourage more than just walking along, but he wants us to be mature And when we walk alongside of another Christian man or a Christian woman who who are just a little ways down that mile path of life, and they're a little ahead of us, they've gone through some hard times, they've wrestled as it is with God's word, and they've come out stronger. And then when they come alongside of you and of me, and they urge us to live in a right manner, to walk with Christ more faithfully, you know, and I just think of of some women in my life over these past years who they've encouraged me to be in God's word every day, um, that I need that food, that they've encouraged me to be a prayer woman, that I would pray for others, and that I would come to the Lord in prayer seeking his guidance. You know, those people who are immature Rather than exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, what do they do? They grumble, they complain, their actions tend to be self-centered. You know, God wants to test our faith. We um, see a very real example of this when God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. He didn't lead them to the promised land, Exodus 13, 17 says, by the way of the sea. That would have been the easy way, right? (laughs) Right. The easy way. That would have been the Mediterranean, like to bring them out of Egypt up along the Mediterranean into the promised land. But rather, what did he do? He took them in the wild, into the wilderness. Why? He wanted to test them to prove them. He wanted to strengthen their faith so that they would not turn back and run back to Egypt. God wants to teach us 
The testing of your faith produces endurance, perseverance, and patience. He wants us to learn, grow, and as it were, to flex our stronger faith muscles. But we've got to work at it. We've got to study. We have to review. We have to read God's word in order to really grow and get stronger in this walk of faith. And you know, ultimately, these verses tell us God wants to transform us. He wants to change us to be more like his son, Jesus, be holy as I am holy. And to in order for us to even consider change for it to occur, I'm going to need to be challenged. I'm going to have to work through some difficult days and situations. And you will too, friends. Actually coming face to face with our shortcomings where I fall short um, to admit and confess my faith is still weak. And Lord, I need you. I need the Holy Spirit's power to flow through my heart and mind and therefore change my attitudes and my actions. And Brenda, even as we were talking about this, we were talking about we need the, the Holy Spirit's power every day to change those attitudes and actions in the midst of trials. But James is going to go on and he say, we need the Holy Spirit's wisdom to think and act properly. And continuing on in verses 5 to 8, it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you wisdom. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed about by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You know, on our own, we lack wisdom. This is, in the Greek, it's called a first-class condition, and it assumes a condition is true. All of us lacks wisdom. It's not like, do you or don't you? No, all of us do. And the Greek word wisdom, it's an understanding of how God has made the world to work. And, and it's a desire, my desire for wisdom, it's a desire to align my life, to align your life, to align the way we think in accordance with how God has designed and his sovereign purpose for us. You know, in American Christianity, um, a, a number of people say, God just wants us to be happy. And, and that's not the truth. God wants us to be holy. And that causes us to seek his wisdom and to believe that he'll give it to us. Not only will he give it to us, he desires to provide generously when we come to him, but we have to come in faith. And we have to say, Lord, I need your input. I need your wisdom. You know, God has three good gifts for the believers in acquiring wisdom. First is the Holy Spirit of God who gives us wisdom. Second is the righteous word of God, who just lives it out, and we, and we learn those principles. That helps in the maturity. But third is not just the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It's the men and women of God, mature men and women who've applied the Word. And taken together, these three will lead to growing wisdom for the child of God. And then James uses, for the first time, a simile. He uses the word uh, word picture using everyday examples from nature or life to, to illustrate a spiritual principle or concept. And James is going to do this repeatedly. Really. We're going to see over the next few few weeks, again and again, he uses similes and metaphors. 
And he talks about this wind uh, and the storms on the sea and, and waves being driven. And James would have been really familiar with this because James grew up right near the Sea of Galilee. And James repeatedly visited Jesus, his half-brother, down at the Sea of Galilee. And when you think Sea of Galilee, if you haven't been there, think of a little small lake. It's only about 13 miles long by about seven and a half miles wide. But think of a bowl of soup and it, a little bowl and, and because that's what the Sea of Galilee is like. It's surrounded by mountains, by these, these hillsides that go up over a thousand feet, over 300 meters. And when the wind comes in there, it can blow and, it, and, and immediately the waves can just get very tumultuous. They, they can get very dangerous. He says, if you doubt, if you doubt that God can give you wisdom, if you don't have faith believing that he wants to give you wisdom so that you can grow and mature in these trials, if you have weak faith, if if you're unsure that God can give you this wisdom and pass the test, you're going to be like a wave in the sea. You're going to be blown and tossed by the wind. And then it goes on to say, and that kind of a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You know, double-minded, this is, I'm thinking one way, but I'm also thinking this way. I don't know which. No, we need single clarity of mind. That's what wisdom does. And unstable, it's changeable, it's unsteady, it's weak, it's wobbly. That's the kind of person who in the midst of trial says, God, I don't know if you're going to be there for me, and I don't know if you can help me. Um, I'm not even sure if you can give me the wisdom. That's that kind of a person. I love thinking about the Sea of Galilee. I, of course... That's one of our favorite places to be and looking down at that Sea of Galilee and seeing, but remembering while um, your words just a moment ago, um, that often we feel like God wants us to be happy, but no, in fact, God wants us to be holy. And I want to tie that into this whole idea of trials in our life. God wants us to be joyful, in, and so that also takes maturity, that takes faith, that takes believing. And so when we embrace this thought that, you know, because I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to have any trials or troubles, you know, that God wants me to be happy, right? Well, no, um, Jesus, in fact, said to his disciples, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying these words in John 16, He's sharing this with his disciples. You will have trials. There will be sorrow. There will be trouble in your life here on this earth. You know, often we don't understand what's happening in our lives to our friends and our loved ones, and we struggle with those emotions. But Jesus says, take heart. I've overcome the problems and challenges, the trials you'll face. And James, in our scripture today, wants us to know that the trials we're facing right now, today, the trials that have passed, the trials that are yet to come, these will test our faith and strengthen those muscles of faith. And and I want to just close in, in prayer, even in the midst of that, we don't know what's going on in your life. We know what's going on in ours. And there's some right now some trials, there's some, some testing. Um, and there's a temptation for us to not properly 
go through them, but we want to align our will with the Father's. Um, Let me just pray for us. Father, you say that that we should consider it joy in the midst of this. And we've got to think about that because it doesn't feel joyful. But we know that you want to produce a good gift in our life, perseverance. You want us to become more mature and complete. And and Lord, we confess we lack wisdom, we, but we can come and we can ask of you, and you promise to give generously if we ask in faith believing. So God, we come to you in the midst of whatever's going on in our life, and we're thankful that we can be joyful as we face these trials of many different kinds. And we ask for your wisdom, believing that you will give generously, and as we grow in our faith, and as we continue in our walk with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.